Well, this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the gospel, the gospel of Mark chapter, chapter 10. So why Mark? Well, simply put, I was thinking about Easter. And I've never preached out of the gospel of Mark at Easter. I've used the other three, but I've never used Mark. And, and there's some reasons why, and I'll be explaining that in the next couple of weeks. But, but I want to preach out of the gospel of Mark. And a, a, Bible, a Bible teacher named Sharon Dowd, she wrote, she wrote this. She said, Mark is a biography. It's a story of Jesus. And Mark has not written this to give us a list of facts about Jesus, but it's to interpret the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, the Son of God. If we went to Mark chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus Christ is claimed to be the Son of God, and it's a story. And so what the writer, what Mark has done, he's arranged the material in order to tell the story of Jesus so that those who hear the story read aloud would understand how committing themselves to Jesus and His way would impact their lives. And really, the Gospel of Mark is intended to be read aloud and amongst a group of believers, amongst a group of folks who want to hear words of life, words of hope. And, and so, what happens when we read Scripture, sometimes we can get confused, and it's easy to get off track with details, and sometimes we miss the point of the whole story. And you know, back in Jesus' day, that happened too. We missed the point. Lord, help us this morning to have eyes open to the things of you. Help us to not miss the point of your word. Well, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus is headway into his ministry, and people are thronging to him. They're coming to him. He is healing, and he's doing all sorts of miracles. And we see parents... In verse 13 of chapter 10, parents are bringing children to Jesus so that he can, he can lay his hands on them and, and touch them and bless them. And, but the disciples, they rebuke the parents. They, they, they fuss at the parents. Jesus is blessing, has been blessing people, and, and now he's blessing children. And he's invoking this, one writer says, divine grace upon them so that these boys and girls can grow up into wise and holy men and women. You know, p- parents want Jesus to bless their children. I mean, that's what I want for mine, and mine aren't babies anymore. Mine are growing up, but I want Jesus to bless them. And, I mean, who wouldn't want that for the kids, right? Well, the disciples, they fuss at the parents. They scold They scold the parents. And the parents, they want to do this good thing for the kids. And on one hand, you have that going, and then on the other hand, you have the disciples. They're they're just trying to do their job. They're managing this traffic flow. But the disciples, what happens, they create enough of a scene that the whole thing becomes an awkward situation. And awkward situations often beget... Awkward conversations. And, and Jesus sees this, and he, he, we read that he is indignant. He, he becomes angry to the, with the disciples, and he says, Permit the children to come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. These disciples, they're dedicated, they're just trying to be responsible, but the disciples can't see. But Jesus, Jesus sees 
And Jesus, he, he becomes angry. He becomes frustrated with the disciples. And he, he commands them. He says, permit the children to come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You send them. You don't be a hindrance to them. These children, they, they trust their parents to do right things. And these parents, they're encouraging their children to, to come to Jesus. Jesus is the door to the kingdom. Jesus is saying, let them come. He, 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 it's like he's telling the, the disciples, they trust their parents, and because their parents trust me, the children, they trust me too. They trust in me as someone who represents God. And, and it's like he's saying to the disciples, they're not afraid of me. I'm not standing up here in some road behind a pulpit like an like a angry judge. These children are not afraid to approach me. Disciples, you are missing the entire point if you make them afraid. Don't make them afraid. And Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Trust Jesus enough. Believe Jesus enough to approach Him. This is how one enters the kingdom. Trust His words. Trust His word. Trust His claims. Trust His heart. And Jesus, He, he takes the children in His arms, maybe, maybe even infants, and he begins to bless them. And he lays his hands on them. And this is why, here at Beaverdam, we, we have a dedicated Sunday morning children's ministry at 9 o'clock. And Sunday school at 10. And, and Wednesday nights. This is why we, we host children's events like Vacation Bible School in the summer or, or Trunk or Treat at Halloween or, or the Egg Hunt on April the 8th. Guess what? It's not just for the children. It's also for their families. Lord, help us to not miss the point of why we do what we do. Amen. Well, Jesus, he's leaving the house, and, and a man runs up to him, and he kneels before him, and he, and he asks Jesus, he says, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What shall I do? Do. Hmm. It's about the doing. Well, Jesus says to the young man, why do, you call, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And the young man, he, he misses the point of what Jesus is saying. I mean, what if Jesus had said the exact same thing, but not exactly? <laughs> what if he'd flipped it around and he would have said this, no one is good except God alone why do you call me good? Light bulb. Do you really know who I am? Mark 1 tells us Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Jesus is checking the young man's spiritual pulse. And, and Jesus says, <laughs> you know, this young man, he is he's an eager beaver. He's ready to go. And, and Jesus says, well, you obviously know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your mother and father. Well, the young man, he replies, he, he says, Teacher, 
I've kept all of these things from my youth on up. This young man has got it going on. He understands the value of the list. He says, teacher, I've kept all of these things from my youth up. I've not murdered. There's no adultery. There's no stealing. There's no lying. I've been a good boy. I've been on my best behavior. And I'm checking off the boxes to prove that I've, done, I've not done this, I've not done this, I've done this, I've done this. I'm checking the boxes. He's trying to do everything right. And, you know, we do the same things. A lot of times we'll think, well, if I can just do X or do Y or do Z, then I'm going to be all right. A lot of times... Even coming to church, sometimes folks will say, well, I've got, to make, I've got to get some things right in my own life before I even darken the door of the church. And that's not, that's, we don't need to do that at all. Jesus wants us to come as we are. Amen. He wants us to come as we are. And see, we fall into this rhythm that there's things we have to do first before we come to Jesus. No. Well, Jesus, there in 21, Jesus, he... He looks at the young man, and he, and he feels a love for him. He, he feels a sympathy, a, a compassion for the young man, and he says, one thing you lack, one thing you lack. Basically, if you want to do something, you don't have to do anything, but if you want to do something, here's what you do. Go and sell all you possess. What? Go and sell all you possess. Lay all of your treasures down. Lay all of those things down that make you, you. Give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. You're going to trade up and come and follow me. And you see, Jesus wants the young man to, to see the one thing, the, the challenge, the roadblock that keeps him from being a disciple. You see... It's hard to pick up the cross and it's hard to pick up eternal life if, if you won't set some things down. It's hard to hold on to something and pick something else up at the same time. It's hard. You can't pick something up if you can't put something down. Jesus says these words, and, and the young man, the eager young man, good teacher, the eager, the eager young man, he becomes saddened, and actually what happens, his face falls. And he goes away grieving because here's a young man who owns a whole lot of stuff. And Jesus, he, he looks around. And he says to his disciples, he, he says, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. What? These disciples, they are amazed at his words. But Jesus, he answers them again, and he says to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And he gives this exaggerated comparison, this exaggerated statement. It's, it's what we call a hyperbole. Kind of like I have walked a million miles, or I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. This exaggerated statement, 
if, if we were to recast it like this, one old writer said it like this. He said, the love of riches, the love of riches, if we're not careful, can bind the soul to earth. You know, the blessings of stuff, stuff can be a blessing. Wealth is not bad. Money is not bad. God blesses us to be able to, to live and to, and, to, and to give and to be a blessing to others. That's not what Jesus is... He's not saying wealth is bad. But we have to be careful that the love of riches doesn't bind our souls to earth. Well, the disciples, they are even more astonished. And they say to Jesus, well, who could be saved? Jesus, he looks at them. And he says, with people it's impossible. But not with God. For all things are possible with God. People can't save themselves. Whether you're filthy rich or you're piously poor, whether you went to the school of hard knocks or some other institution of learning, whether you're pretty or you have a nice personality, (laughs) it's impossible to be saved without God. Jesus is the one who does the saving. Well, Peter, he, he he comes to Jesus. He says, look here. We have left everything and followed you. It's like, whoa, hold the phone. And Jesus, I'm imagining, he's thinking, Peter, just chill out. (laughs) But he says, truly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for, for my sake and the gospel's sake but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus is saying, you don't, you don't see it now, but you who have left everything, for the sake of the gospel, you've left everything to follow me, you will gain brothers and sisters and mothers and children in the faith. Your church will be your family. What will become known as the church will be your family. But there's someone in the lineup that's, that's missing. Did you see it? There's no fathers here. Why? Because in God we have the Father. We have the Father. And then Jesus says something else we don't like. And we, we sometimes gloss over it. He said, you will be persecuted. Ugh. We don't like to hear that, do we? There's times folks will say, well, God, if God loved you so much, you wouldn't be, this wouldn't be happening, and God would have kept me from harm and kept me from pain if, if he loved me. But, you know, the reality is we live in a broken world. Sin came in and tainted creation we're, we're broken people living in a broken world, and thank God we have someone who can mend us when we fall down. Amen. We, are, we have a Savior. We will get hurt in this life. We will be persecuted in this life. But Jesus is enough to bear those burdens. 
Jesus says, you're going to be persecuted. And then he says, but in the age to come, in the day that is coming, you will receive eternal life. Many who are first will be last, and the last first. You know, Peter, he, he's been talking to Peter. Kind of Peter's been the front man, and you know, Peter was the first disciple that he actually called. And Peter may be hearing this, and he said, the first we lie of what might be the reward ultimately for Peter. Peter. Peter followed Jesus all the way to persecution that ended with his death. Um, go down to verse 46 real quick. Verse 46. Jesus and the disciples, they, they visit Jericho, and, and then they leave Jericho, and the disciples, and then there's this crowd following them, and, and there's a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And, and Bartimaeus... He's sitting by the road, and he hears that it's Jesus the Nazarene. He begins to cry out, and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus cries out for the son of David. Why? Well, well, evidently, the man, the blind man, remembers what he had heard in the temple. Maybe he went to the, he went to the temple, maybe as a little boy. This man was in the temple, and he heard from the Law and the Prophets, what we call, that's, we call it the Old Testament. But he heard about this man named King David. And he, he heard about a promise that the Lord made to King David way back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He heard about one who would come from the lineage of David, one who would be the Messiah, one who would be the Anointed One. And he knows Jesus as the Son of God. And so there's lots of people, they're sternly telling him to be quiet. Kind of like the disciples were fussing at those parents. They're saying, be quiet! And the the blind man says, all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Maybe you've said the same thing. Jesus stops and he says, call him here. They call the blind man and and they say, take courage. Whew! As your preacher and as your friend, I'd tell you that this morning. Take courage. Stand up. Jesus is calling for you. And the blind man, he he throws aside his cloak and he jumps up and he's following the sound of Jesus' voice and he runs to Jesus. You know, the man can't see, but he runs toward him. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Mm. The blind man says, Teacher, I want to regain, I want to regain my sight. Jesus knows what the man wants. He knows. How interesting that the blind man already sees the reality of who Jesus is, the Son of God. Blind Bartimaeus sees Jesus for who he really is. And Jesus, he says to Bartimaeus, he says, Go, your your faith has made you well. I've delivered you healing. And what happens? Well, immediately Bartimaeus, he regains his sight and he begins to follow Jesus on the road. And Next week we'll have Palm Sunday and 
the following week we'll have Eastern right sandwich between those two is Good Friday, and it really kind of represents what happens here in Mark. Bartimaeus is going to follow Jesus on into Jerusalem the day of Palm Sunday. When y'all maybe have heard the story about Jesus riding in the donkey, and they're saying, Hosanna, the blessed is the Son of David. And, and then a few days later, Jesus will be, there's a, there's a sham of an arrest, and there's a sham, there's a mock trial, and then Jesus is crucified. But thank God, Jesus was crucified because what happens when he did that, he took your sin and mine. Jesus takes those upon himself. Why? So that we can have a relationship of peace. Each one of us have the opportunity for a relationship of peace to be restored between me and God, between you and God. All because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then what happens on Easter Sunday, Jesus is raised again to life. He's resurrected. And what that means for us, it's the promise of new life for us as Jesus promises to take our sins. Jesus promises to take all of that bad stuff and to say, I forgive your sins and I want you to to walk with me and I want to give you an abundant life now and I want to give you an eternal life to come. And only Jesus can do that. Bartimaeus, he didn't know how all the story would end, but he followed him And I believe that Bartimaeus followed him all the way to the cross. Lord, open our eyes to see you. Father, in this gospel of Mark, that's the message really of the whole gospel, that we would see your son for who he is. Open our eyes to see you. And Father, when you you do that, Lord, open our minds and open our hearts to respond immediately, like Bartimaeus, to how you wish to lead us and how you wish to use us. Father, we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the difference that he makes in life now, the abundance that he can bring, the healing that he can bring to broken life now, and the promise of a hope and a future in him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.